0: Welcome to Blattress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing Beyond Repair by Katherine Stein. This was published in 2022 and is number four in the Sass and Steam series. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy of the book from Katherine herself. And we have not reviewed the first three books in the series. You have not missed anything. I
1: am starting with book four and Meg, you started with book three. That's right. So we do not have, and I will say this, Lane's disclaimer at the very top, I don't think I lost anything by starting with book four, except this is sort of a mystery, and at one point they lay out the list of possible suspects, and I am pretty sure some of them were former heroes, in which case I, as the reader, could have safely disregarded them. But I wasn't sure. So that is literally the only time I went, I ah, probably should have read the earlier books.
0: Yeah, but it may have made reading this book a little bit more fun because you didn't know whether they were going to be...
1: <laughs> this wasn't a mystery you were supposed to be able to solve.
0: No, no, it wasn't. Um, I will say that I read book three in this series, which is Dead Dukes Tell No Tales. Super cute. Um, I'm... The feeling I get from this whole series is that they're extremely loosely connected. It's more that they're set in the same world. Okay. Than that the characters, like, interact with each other in other books. So
1: I would have bet that they were all about magnates or tycoons. And I actually was going to bet that. The one who ended up being the bad guy was one of the other heroes until it turned out he was the bad guy. So,
0: well, I will say that I was surprised that he ended up being the bad guy because I was assuming he was going to be the hero of one of the books. Like,
1: <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is all about like businessmen in St. Louis.
0: Okay. They, I will say, the Duke in Dead Dukes Tell No Tales was a junkyard magnate from Chicago. So there, there we go. are a lot of magnates.
1: But obviously, not all the magnates. All right. So, before we get too distracted, the book jacket.
0: When life is a broken wreck, it takes a special kind of doctor to put the pieces back together. Owen oh, Cassidy's life is in a shambles. His business is plagued by catastrophic malfunctions, a near-fatal attack has left him with a shoulder full of gears and wires, and the lady doctor who saved his life insists on bed rest over action. To make matters worse, she's perpetually cheerful, utterly gorgeous, and entirely uninterested in him. Dr. Eleanor Taylor has no intention of
1: letting an obstinate, uncooperative tycoon ruin her hard work. Nora's never been swayed by a handsome face, so desire is the last thing she expects to complicate the situation. But when she and Owen begin to bond, Amor's feelings she's rarely experienced and doesn't know how to handle spark to life.
0: As Nora and Owen find themselves lost in a tangle of friendship and blazing passion, their enemies' schemes become wilder and more dangerous. To escape with their lives and hearts intact, they'll need all their wits, all their skills, and a relationship built on the deepest trust.
1: Yeah. Um. We'll get into this a little more. This is the setup. Yeah. And I think that's my preference for a book jacket. This book goes way beyond what you see here.
0: Well, like way beyond. Way more plot.
1: Way more plot.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of plot in this book. I and I'm I'm actually like sure we're gonna talk about it. Yep. So,
1: but like, I don't have a criticism. Nothing is inaccurate. I think it's spiritually like ok enough. Like this gets into pirates and like kidnappings. And I feel like some of that absurdity of the mystery adventureness of it isn't mm-hmm. captured. But I also don't know where you'd even start with that on a book jacket,
0: yeah. i I think you're I think you're good. I think you're good also if you see the cover of the book because it's definitely like kind of steampunky. He's got a. You know, his shoulder of gears and wires is is in, in prominence. So I think if you go into it knowing that, you're like, oh, okay, this looks fun. Okay. So as usual, we generated a random number. And then we wrote summaries based on that number. So for this episode, the number was 39. Uh, so Lane, why don't you kick this off?
1: Nora gives Owen a mechanical arm to save his life and sticks around to, one, keep him from ruining her handiwork, and two, help figure out who shot him
0: and why, even if he does not want her to. (laughs) I, yes, I loved it. I loved that the conflict in the beginning part of the book was that he was like, just go away. Yes. (laughs) I know you saved my life, but I'm ready to go home now. (laughs) It was really cute,
1: but again, I think even though I had 39 words, too much happens in this book. I just stuck to
0: set up. Oh, well, I did too. Here's here's mine. Nora finds a half-dead man on the street. Like any self-respecting biomechanical physician, she grabs him and fixes him up just as good as new. Nora thinks she's safe from his charms until he turns out to be nice. Yeah. because mm-hmm. yeah. anyway. I this is like one of the things I really liked about this book actually was how <laughs> so it, I guess we can get into it now she, it, Nora is very clearly demisexual Yep, and um, she's been taking care of Owen like she's undressed him she's seen him totally naked she you know helps him out and he's like you saw me naked and she's like don't worry there is absolutely no way that I will be distracted by thoughts of you because you're a jerk, basically. Yes. And she's like, I'm fine. Like, there's absolutely no way I'm ever going to have a problem with this guy because trope number one, Sunshine Grump, he's grumpy and she's sunshiny. Right. Yes.
1: I also thought it was interesting. So you get at something that I don't know how to quantify as a trope, but I think often in doctor patient romances, you see the doctor be like thinking, I have absolutely no problem maintaining professionalism. Like when I'm in doctor hat time, I can be around beautiful bodies and they just don't register because this is my job. Yeah. And inevitably, the one patient for whom they have trouble maintaining that professionalism is the romantic partner. Whereas here, Nora doesn't think, like, I'm a doctor. This is my job. It's no big deal to me.
0: She's purely like, oh, yeah, I don't think about sex. So no worries. Yeah. She's like, sex is not, she's not, it's not a thing for me, you know, unless I'm actually very close to the person and really like them. And there's no chance of that with you. (laughs) Yeah. But I just think it was interesting that she sort of doesn't consider the, like, this is my job. I am a professional angle at all. Not at all. I agree with you. I liked it. Me too. Um, another trope. So he's
1: a rags to riches story. Yes. Grew up extremely poor extension of that has a little brother who he's insisting have the society life that he never got to have, even if it's not what the brother wants.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a rags to riches. And he's like, so this is what, turn of the century St. Louis, turn of the 20th, turn of the 19th century, right?
1: No, turn of the 20th, because they mentioned something happening in 1904 as if it happened in the past.
0: Okay. So it's it's what, like in the
1: 1910s? Yeah, ish.
0: And... It's never really
1: specified in this one, if it ever is. But I was actually, that was one of the things about this book, is I felt very lost in time and place. Yeah. Until they mentioned something about a worker strike in 1904 and I went, cool, at least I have some context now.
0: Cool, yeah. Yeah, I don't think – so one of my failings is that if a chapter starts with a year on it, I completely disregard the year part. Like, I'll I'll look at the century part, but then the year I won't look at. And then, of course, the next chapter starts with a year that's like five years later. And I'm like, oh, God. Damn it, I gotta like go back and I'm like, how many years was that? How many years went by? I, I don't think that say, happens here though. I don't think says, there's no. ever, yeah. No, no. So I don't think I would have noticed anyway, is what I'm trying to tell you. Oh, God. <laughs> but it, okay. I don't think it happens. Uh, there. So it's kind of a trope. She's an older woman, younger man. They're very age. She's what, like 30. She's 30, supposed to be 37 and he's supposed to be 33. Yeah. So she's four years older.
1: But they're both in their mid-30s. There is no, like, there's no plot related to the age gap other than he's surprised she's 37.
0: Yeah. Well, there's no plot related to it, but it's still, I know it's ridiculous, but it's still just really refreshing. Anytime the woman is older than the man, I'm like, yay! I'm reading a romance for them. The age doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, it's... Rare enough, especially if it's noted on, that I think you're right that it should be celebrated. Yeah,
0: so I'm celebrating it. Go for it.
1: Any other tropes?
0: Is this a millionaire romance land? Yeah, he has $7 million. Yeah, and that's a lot of money in the 1910s. I mean, it's a lot of money today, too. But it was yeah. a really a lot of money back then.
1: Yeah, it was funny because I, I felt like the actual dollar figures were thrown around not infrequently. Yeah. And I actually felt like their relative value did not make sense to me. <laughs> right. Just because he's like, hey, here's a $100 if you help me with this thing and there's 500 in it for you when we finish. And I'm like, I think $600 is supposed to be a lot of money. Does he really have that much money on his person? He's like, got a I, lot of money. No, but like physically on his person. I don't know, but Owen is good for it. No, he's definitely good for it, but like it was sort of implied that he had like the cash in hand. He pulled out the wad and said, "Let's talk." And I feel
0: like $600 would be a lot to like just walk around in cash with today. He's he's like Mr. Moneybags. You you're not a millionaire in the 1910s without actually having bags of cash, bags of cash. But like I want to look at
1: this. Like what is 1910? We're not even sure of the exact year. To 2022, <laughs> is now $30. Okay. So walking around with $600 is like walking around with $18,000 in cash. Like, I just found that extremely hard to believe.
0: (laughs) Owen's got the cash, man. Okay. Mr. Moneybags. So, yes, it's a millionaire romance because he can buy whatever he wants. Yes. And of course, Nora's like, no, no, don't buy it for me. No, she does come from money.
1: That's true. She is more polite society than he is. Her occupation does not make her wealthy. Yes. But it's not like she was poorly off before she met him and he's rescuing her in any way. In fact, one of the very cute little details, spoiler alert, they end up together that I don't feel like is spoilery is what marrying him means she can do all of her medical practice pro bono. Oh I guess. As opposed to just some of it. Like it's this is not the fact that he's a millionaire is not all that life changing for her.
0: I loved it. Me too. Also cute too. I mean, obviously there's a lot of hurt comfort going on here. She's a doctor. He's injured.
1: Yeah, and then flip side of it, she's kidnapped and wounded in certain different scenarios, and he's gotta take care of her too. Not to the same degree, but no. the like, everyone's a bad patient, doctors are bad patients, men are bad patients, we're both bad patients. Like, this was definitely for all that sunshine grump, and in that sense, offices attract. This romance was really driven by what makes them extremely similar.
0: Absolutely, I agree. And then he adopts this little kitten. It's technically like a robot,
1: I guess. They call all robots dragons, I think. That was something that was hard for me to grasp, except it seemed like it had wings. So I couldn't tell if they were calling it a kitten dragon because it was a robot or because it was a robot kitten that had wings. I mean, I think all of the
0: above, I'm going to be honest. Okay. (laughs) But it was really cute. At the same time, I was like, uh, lane and i both have cats now and we both see that cats. like i
1: haven't literally always had a cat
0: <laughs> lane has always had a cat i have only recently learned about the gloriousness that is being a cat owner and so i was like it doesn't have to be mechanical <laughs> any cat because of his allergies yes yeah, so that was cute <laughs>
1: But obviously his softer side comes out with the animals around. And it's one of her first real glances at his humanity outside of his family.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, huh. All right. Anything
0: else? Or should we? She just... sends her away for
1: her own good. But I actually fucking loved it. Not okay. him. Not his motivation. But the way she
0: responded yes. was perfection. It wasn't it, though? It was great. I, mm-hmm. And actually I liked his response to her response. I thought the way it played out was really nice. Yeah, like, obviously
1: I'm pissed when he's being high-handed, but this whole book was about him actually learning lessons from his high-handed behavior. Yes. Which makes it obviously a lot different than most romance novels.
0: Thank you. I agree with
1: you. So, I think that's it for tropes. At least that will not be discussed as we go through the narrative arc.
0: So this is just really cute. I already used that word five times, I think. But this whole book is just really cute. I like that. Which (laughs) I want to like
1: try to give our readers an accurate picture without diving into a full summary here because it's just too much. And it's I don't want to spoil it. This book we talk sometimes about like books are cute in spite of their angst. This isn't angsty. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of kidnapping. At one point, they're literally stuck in a torture palace. <laughs> that's true. Like, there's this random aside where they have to hide out at his cousin's, who's a brothel owner, but that's supposed to be empowering. I don't fucking know. Like, she has brought people back from the dead, basically, and cohorts with pirates. There's a lot of really Not angsty asides, but serious asides. Like the police force is corrupt and he can't trust his detectives and he can't trust his family. And it's all handled with a very light touch. Yes. Which kept it adorable. But like intense is the wrong word. Angsty is the wrong
0: word. But this is not cute and fluffy. It's not fluffy. Yeah. It's cute. It's cute, but it deals with some serious stuff. Yeah, this tonally
1: was extremely unique to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Also, it is a steampunk romance. So there's a lot of technology back then that does not, it did not exist and does not exist today.
1: And he made his millions by discovering an alternative fuel.
0: Right. I mean, it's, you don't really get into the morality of it. She doesn't love the fuel. On the other hand, it does make a lot of things possible that were Yeah. So we don't really get into, and it's also, I don't think it's like, I think it's like a non-renewable resource. He mines it. It's non-renewable, but her criticism isn't environmental. Right. It's.
1: There's a lot here about the world building that I do wonder if would have made more sense had we read the previous books. So I don't want to dial too much into what this fuel is or what the dragons are and all the robots because I, if other people have read the first three in the series, they're probably screaming at us to like move on because we're idiots. But <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there is some sort of moral debate about the use of this fuel.
0: Yeah. So, and I do think it's interesting because she, she finds him anonymous you know, unknown man on the street who's been grievously injured. Mm-hmm. She's a doctor. So she, like, she literally scoops him off the street, takes him basically into the nearest building and converts it into a hospital. Because mm-hmm. she has the cash to do it. And then when he wakes up, he's not grateful at all. <laughs> he's like, Why did you keep me here? I need to be doing my work.
1: And what she's done is replaced his shoulder with something mechanical. The opening scene was weird, but I liked it.
0: (laughs) He, like, wakes up from a medically induced coma (laughs) going, like, what's happening to me?
1: Yeah, it felt, I was like, is this gonna get, like, Frankenstein-y? And then it didn't, but the beginning sort of was. It was really fun. Yeah.
0: So, he escapes. Yes. And, guys, this is This stuff is in the first chapter, so I'm sorry if you consider this a spoiler. I don't think that it is. But we don't, clearly. Yes. So he escapes, and then she just is like, well, I'm going to find him because I want to make sure that he doesn't mess up the nice new shoulder that I gave him.
1: And what she seems to be primarily concerned with is the way the artificial body parts will merge with the biological ones that like the yeah. internal construction sort of fine but he could seriously hurt himself i found all of it a little bit like the medical stuff to me was very you just have to take it at face value right yeah
0: no there's parts i
1: was like does this make sense and then i had to be like i don't know i can't i can't comment
0: and also you don't care right well <laughs> correct <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, I don't think you're supposed to care about how the gears and wires interact with his muscles.
1: Right. I think but she's afraid he's, to... like, you're not just afraid that he's, like, gonna hurt himself. She's afraid he's gonna, like, fuck it up badly.
0: Yeah, and she's like, I just went through all this trouble to give him this state-of-the-art new artificial shoulder. And if he fucks it up, I'm gonna be really pissed at him. And also,
1: like, he won't have a working arm. And then what was her saving him from amputation for?
0: What was the point? So she's got to find him. And she just moves in with him. It's awesome. I loved it. It was so great. And then she's like, well, I guess I better help you figure out who's sabotaging your minds, Because if I don't, you're just going to get hurt again. And I'm going to have to fix you up. Yeah, and it's basically
1: the implication is that the skills that make her a good doctor make her a good detective.
0: Well, that's what she's trying to argue, I think. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, <laughs> whatever, it was fun. I'm, like, again, super illogical, don't care, moving on. There's a robot
0: cat, like. Yeah, anyway, that's the only part of the plot I'm going to get into. If I have a criticism of this book, is that the plot was really long.
1: Yeah, so I think the first half works better than the second half. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because the first half is pretty narrow, right? She's his doctor, he's her patient, they're in St. Louis, someone is sabotaging his business. He's sort of investigating it while trying to keep his business afloat. Because he is an ethical businessman who cares about his employees' well-being and livelihood more than the business itself. Obviously. Eyes are in the back of my fucking head. They're in the back of my head, but... Also, would you read this book otherwise? Sure. But then they're trapped in this. They figure out who the bad guy is and he's hell bent on torturing them. They escape. And I'm like, this must be the end of the book. And I look down at the fucking percentage and it's 52. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? So then you realize that the police are corrupt. Everyone's fake. They have to go on the lamb. And it becomes this much expanded both world in terms of them leaving St. Louis, but also in terms of the the tertiary characters that are introduced. And there's a lot of stuff that shows up in the second half with like, and some of it is in the first half, but like her investigating his former mistresses and his ex and none of that was relevant to the plot. His relationship with his brother in the second half was extremely bizarre all over the place and not really relevant to the plot. The weird cousin who's the brothel owner, like, don't get me wrong, fun sex scene. But was she really a necessary character? Like, there's just a lot of fat that I would have trimmed. Like, this book could have been a third shorter, and I think it would have worked better.
0: Yeah, there, there are a lot of twists and turns in the plot. I think the relationship and the relationship building works. It's the other parts of the plot that are a little like, oh, okay, now they're doing this. Oh, now they're going to Savannah. Oh. Well, there's also little moments that, like, meant something, but were,
1: like, there's a lot about bicycling. Yeah. Yes, there is. I don't know that all of that was necessary.
0: I don't know either. But that said, I wasn't, I was never bored reading the book.
1: I was never bored. I think the pacing was fine, given all the extraneous details. I will say at several points, I went, oh, my God, I am only at this point. Oh, my, like, so this should have this could have been two books, except it,
0: it could have been the relationship
1: except. couldn't have been. But like right. the plot could have been.
0: No, it's true. It's true. Yeah. The first book is we figured out who it is. And the second book is, oh, shit, got to clear my name.
1: Yeah. Like, legitimately, okay. the wider yep. plot should have been two books if you wanted all this detail. Yeah. And we're not even getting into the rescue
0: operations. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about how Owen does that thing. That thing that happens in romance novels where he needs to protect her. And obviously the way to protect her is by breaking up with her and sending her away. There are two
1: things that made it really work for me here. Mm -hmm. Two, Owen's high-handed and protective instinct was not about her. Right. And that was made extremely clear. It's about it
0: everyone a- that he loves. Right. So it's, it's not about him. Then you're
1: like, oh, he loves her. Right, It's not about him infantilizing her specifically or about a woman's place. It's just about he, his major psychological issue is he needs to exert control over literally everything and everyone around him. Two, she puts up with no shit. And this book is not just about her calling him out on it, but everyone in his life calling him out on it and it being viewed as problematic behavior. Yep. So as much as that the high-handedness is
0: tropey, the way this book does it is not. It's great. And I mean, of course she he tries to send her away. It doesn't work. I'm not gonna tell you how <laughs> it's so does. good. It's really good. <laughs> so good but she basically shows up at his doorstep and he's like, well, that didn't work. And she's like, yeah, and it's not going to work. So stop being an asshole. And he's like, oh no, I guess I guess I better stop being a jerk.
1: <laughs> and one of the things that I loved about that whole sequence is she shows up wanting an apology from him. Yes. And while it doesn't happen in that moment, it does happen. The yeah. book is not her getting over her desire for him to improve. It's about her maintaining it and kind of pressuring him sometimes and him doing everything on his own terms.
0: Like they were both flawed in a very likable way. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, one of the tertiary characters that Lane is talking about is basically like a couple's therapist.
1: I did not like her. That's actually one of my real criticisms of the book.
0: Oh, Interesting. Her as a character, or her as the... the function in the plot. Or function in the plot, which was to provide couples therapy.
1: I want to do this in offensiveness.
0: Okay. Anyway, one of the things I liked about it was that it pointed out that they both are very bad at expressing their feelings. And she was right. But what I loved
1: about it was they both made choices. And you know this because you were in their heads alternatively. Alternating. You were, whatever. (laughs) And you know they're making choices to reveal more than they're comfortable with or what they have in other situations. And you know they are saying what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. But they are not clearly expressing themselves. And there's a difference. Yes. And I think that being called out in the text was so nice. It was
0: really good. I really liked it.
1: I think the only other thing I'd say is uh, we talk sometimes about how we think books are mislabeled in a way that anything that has and happily ever after gets tagged as romance, even mm-hmm. if the plot seems to focus on other things. Mm-hmm. For all that I have just said, I think the plot required this to be like a duology. This is first and foremost a romance. And I understand why it's one book like I I want to be extremely clear, given what we've said so far, that this is a romance. I love the romance. It is a romance first and foremost.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with you. The, The focal point of this book is their relationship.
1: Yes. There is a lot of plot going on around them, but I don't think it ever is the point.
0: Well, the point of the plot is to throw them together in different situations so that they learn about each other. Right. Right. The, the like. Yeah. Yes, there is a lot of detail that is not about the two of them,
1: but it never felt like the a plot. Right.
0: Okay. Content warnings. The eventual villain verges into that. You know, he's he's villainous because he's crazy.
1: Yeah, there is a motive in a way.
0: Hmm
1: but it is ultimately extremely flimsy and more about he's just a psychopath who deserves it which yeah. is always an
0: uncomfortable thing yeah well and they end up you know like they even do a psychological profile of him and
1: i thought so- that was not great we'll yeah. get into that character a lot well, but well, he's he's crazy that's why he did it and you're, this is not spoiling anything because they realized very early in the book that the villain must be someone close to him who knows him, who has means. There's a short list of suspects that's like five long. So I'm not spoiling anything by saying this person was extremely close to him. The betrayal was extremely pointed. And it seems like to a degree, when you sort of did the math, that their relationship had been fake for a long time. Yeah. with this guy. And like so all of that, not only do I have a problem with that he's crazy and that's why he did it, but for a book that did went into so much detail about characters and the mystery and the relationships, it felt really lazy mm. to not delve into this person as a whole well, given his
0: importance to the main character. Yeah. Yeah. I I was I think Part of the reason I put it here under content warning is because I was surprised at how surface level dealing with him was, considering the depth that the other characters got. Yes, exactly. So. All right. Tell me,
1: talk to me about the therapist. Okay. There's a fucking list I have here. And for the record, I love therapy. I've been to therapy. I think everyone at some point in their life can benefit from the opinion of a professional getting an outside perspective on what's going on with them, whether it's triggered by something or not. Like, no shame. I'm not criticizing the concept of therapy at all. Giant disclaimer. One, she signs him up for therapy without his consent. Two, the the therapist is her BFF. I know Meg called it couples therapy, but for most of the session, she is not in the room. This therapist friend regularly offers her unsolicited advice, but it's framed as treatment. In a way, it's like these undefined spaces of women in professions allow them to cross a lot of professional and personal boundaries, and it's written off. It's acceptable. Mm -hmm. And even the criminal profiling, like sharing all of this with her best friend, I felt like what the book was trying to do was celebrate therapy and make a point that these personal emotional understandings are really vital to every aspect of personal well-being, of societal well-being, of understanding people's motives, and I don't discount that, but the way it was all manifested in one person made me go at several points in the story, oh my God, this is just grossly inappropriate. Yeah. like the way the function she served crossed so many boundaries like and the way he, this man who wanted to control everything was just like thank you so much for calling your friend who's a therapist I absolutely need someone to talk to and she's out in the fucking hallway in her own house being like I wonder if they're talking about me and it's like <laughs> this is a contractual problem this is a like what, what's it called this is a conflict of interest <laughs> like no, this should not be happening. The, like, the part of me that loves therapy was like, oh my God, if people think this is what happens in therapy, they're never going to fucking go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was actually very bothered by it.
0: I see that. I did not have those issues with it. But yeah, I respect your issues. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for respecting my issues. The only other thing I want to put under content warnings, this book is like expressly and explicitly feminist. Yes. Anachronistically so. And in most cases I thought it was great. And I was really bothered by the fact that the book tried so hard to make really good feminist points. Mm -hmm. And then you meet pirates and every time the pirates are referred to, they're women pirates or lady pirates.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's not just by the shitty characters. Like it's one thing for his like sexist mom to call her a lady doctor and then imply right. she should see he should see a real doctor. But it's another for him and her to think about these groups of people by their gender. Yeah. And I just like it, it seemed honestly like a good editor should have caught that.
0: Oh, this is this interesting to me because I feel like the lady pirates or the woman pirates
1: It was established they were women. From that point forward, why are they not just pirates?
0: Yeah, after that, you don't have to continue. I get it. Like, Mm -hmm. it's diminishing, right? And there
1: there are two arguments. There's the pointing out that women is celebrating that women are doing this thing that's a traditionally male field.
0: But the reality
1: is the second you're adding on a modifier or an adjective, you're implying they're not just normal fucking pirates. That's true. And I wanted this book to be better than that. That's fair. It didn't offend me nearly as much as the therapist stuff did, but I just want to be clear that, like, I was disappointed in it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I think the strength of the book is in their relationship.
1: Yes. I have nothing bad to say about that. I have nothing offensive to say about it. They're both flawed, but they both hear each other. Their communication improves. They both grow as people. They grow in their relationship. The actual relationship development in this book is A+.
0: All right, let's talk about let's talk about sexiness then, because I think this does obviously have a bearing on their relationship and how they get together. <laughs> I mean, I agree. Yep, I'm trying to segue here, Lane. You don't have to make fun of me. I think sex might have a bearing on their relationship. <laughs> so I said at the very beginning that um, it's made very clear that. Nora is demisexual. She's also bisexual. And so in her life, she's basically been attracted to two people. One was her best friend, female best friend. And now it's Owen. These are the only two people she's ever been attracted to. I
1: have a lot of questions about that. Mm -hmm. I didn't get the impression Nora had a lot of friends. Yeah, same. And I do wonder about people who conflate friendship with romantic interest. hmm And obviously this was not something this book was supposed to make you think about. It was just supposed to be like, oh, she's demisexual, which means relationship comes first and then sexy thoughts. Cool. But at the same time, it didn't seem like she'd ever had a truly cr- close relationship with a person who she
0: then didn't develop sexual feelings for. Well, there was her therapist friend, right?
1: Fair, but that that character was doing enough lifting. No, that's a good point. Okay, we do have one example. Especially given that, like, so much of romance novel covers heroines who have no sexual experience or romantic experience whatsoever. Like, is it really valuable information for her to say, like... I guess abstaining from relationships or kissing or sex of any kind until you're 37 is noteworthy in a social context.
0: Well, but I think it I could have been more interesting. Identifier if, is it? Well, I yeah. I mean, and the thing is, too, she decided to make the the feminine character the demisexual one, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's this is the stereotype about women, right? Right, Which that is we that need wooing we, you know, and romance and build Men up, are like and microwaves like... and women are like ovens or whatever, you know? Right, that's fucking genius. <laughs> no, but like that was <laughs> honestly... say Thank you to my eighth grade sex ed teacher for that one. <laughs> no, that is
1: not taught in Ohio public schools.
0: It was when I went to middle school. No, but that's, I sort of, oh.
1: I don't really understand how she's that different from our traditional romance novel, heroine except for her age and the independence she's been granted by her family, enabling her to like think critically about the feeling she's experienced. And I'm not saying that's insignificant, but is her sexual history and her experience with sexual desire really all that different.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I get the feeling she doesn't, she doesn't get crushes on people, you know, I think that would be the biggest difference. Yeah. I I liked her. I liked her character. I don't know if, and to be fair, it's not like in the text she wrote, this is, this is demisexuality. Right. right. No, and I liked her character yes. too. I this felt is... like her character was really, it, the character made sense. All right. And then she wants to have sex. <laughs> yeah. So she, at first she's like, nah, I'm just, I'm just not into sex. Sorry, it's not my thing. She gets to know Owen better and then. I loved how she was, like, just watching his lips, and then she was like, oh, shit, I want to kiss him.
1: I mean, and that is an extremely relatable feeling. It's <laughs> such a feeling, isn't it? But like, ah, oh, shit. I, like, think I'm watching your mouth to pay attention to you talking, and then I realize my mind is not on what you're saying.
0: Um, I mean, I'm sorry. You all know that I've read Romancing Mr. Bridgerton a million and a half times, but the scene happens, a similar scene happens in that book, too. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: Which is amazing. It's a great (laughs) thing. But anyway, she eventually is able to disclose to him that she would like to experience sex with him.
1: (laughs) Which is pretty much how she puts it. (laughs) But I thought that, again, she's believable. She's a doctor with no experience. Exactly. But clearly a lot of experience with human anatomy. And so, of course, she's speaking clinically. It's adorable.
0: It's so great. So they... I literally laughed out loud. They finally are going to have sex. And he's like, Oh, you realize that she's a virgin. And he's like, Oh no. He's like, I've heard that, that it can be tough the first time you have sex. And she's like, don't worry. You're not any bigger than my dildo.
1: Okay. My big concern in that sequence is she's like, my dildo is polished wood. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't care how polished you're exposing it to moisture. Bitch, you are gonna get a splinter. <laughs> like, this is this is my problem. I'm totally taken out of the moment by like, it's fucking wood.
0: <laughs> Ow. I thought it was so funny. I it was, it no, was th- so
1: like, it was cute, but also like, why couldn't it's it's fucking
0: steampunk society, make it metal and so I can move on with my day. Yeah. But I also just loved how he reacted to it, which wasn't like, You know, oh, she's got a she's got a dildo, a humongous dildo that's just as big as my humongous dick. Because he's humongous guy. He's a giant.
1: He's like six six and packing.
0: Of course, but I just love that his thought in that moment was had nothing to do with his dick. Yes, just the whole, just everything about that little scene. I just really liked a lot. Completely agree. So. So I've read a few Katherine Stein books. I think this one was the sexiest one I've ever read. I'm going to be honest. It wasn't like super spicy. But it was sexy though.
1: It was spicy.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was. It It's wasn't not closed like, door or anything. No, it's not closed door. They they get it on in the, the murder. I'm not going to
1: say. Th- I was saying, oh my God, really? They're being... St- so they're in a murder labyrinth. They're being spied on. She turns out the lights. And I'm like, clearly there's still microphones. <laughs> also, you're disgusting. Like, you've been on the run trapped in a murder palace where, like, stuff has
0: been sent at you. You're sweaty and covered in... This, to me, this feels like... This is a romance trope at this point. Because I can think of at least two or three other books off the top of my head where they get stuck somewhere. Usually in a cave. And... Yep. Right? but a And lot of like, times, oh, we might not be able to get out. This is our only chance. But a lot of those times they're waiting for rescue. They're not being tortured. There's not an existential
1: threat. There's not a coordinating person. It's, we have found a place of refuge. It's the only question is, will we be rescued or will we die here? That was not the case. They still had shit to do.
0: They did, but they had, you know, they had to take a rest. And dry hump, okay uh, it was a it was a hot scene, but it was not I did not get it. <laughs> it was not a sexy moment. The moment itself, no, but the scene, yeah, was fine uh, no no. I just wish it had happened elsewhere. That's you know, I bet they do too, but they <laughs> it was their only moment. They could have been killed by giant mechanical spiders at any second. <laughs>
1: It was sexy. Like, it wasn't a billion hot tamales or anything, but it was cute and sexy. I would call this book cute and sexy.
0: I agree. This book, cute and sexy. If you think you might be interested in reading some steampunk romance, I think Catherine Stein is probably a great place to start, honestly. It wasn't
1: too steampunky. And, like, we've read the Macbeth McMasters. I'm not opposed to super steampunky, but this this is training wheels.
0: It's what I'm saying. You know, there's some airship pirates and and some biomechanical limbs. But it's not... This
1: wasn't world building? Yeah. Is the best way I think I can put it? Like, it's a steampunk world, so there is technology that wouldn't exist. But there's not, like, a deep explanation of why the tech exists or the different types of inventions. Like, it's only if it's relevant to the plot is it brought up. You're not... Getting descriptions of city streets and how they're different than traditional 1910 St. Louis would be. Yes,
0: it's okay. not. It doesn't
1: verge into fantasy for all that it's steampunk.
0: Yeah, so I, I really do think if you're if you're like eh, I don't know how I feel about the steampunk stuff, this series would probably be a good place to start. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and right now we have a very special offering.
1: So as you may have seen on our Instagram, we are promoting a one-handed reads box that we developed in partnership with Natalie of Kiss and Let Me Tell You. The box contains two steamy books that you can read one-handed, one digital, and one in
0: exclusive paperback. The Catherine Grant book, The Viscount Without Virtue, and the Victoria Vale book, Masquerade,
1: are both available. The Catherine Grant book is digital, um, and and. It contains a exclusive and the Victoria Vale book is usually only available in e-back, but in this bag it, this box it is available in paperback form. It also contains an exclusive platress tote, an emoji themed item for your pleasure, as well as some other goodies. So if you're interested, you can check out the link on our Instagram. There are only 50 boxes that will ever exist.
0: First come, first served, make sure you get your orders in so that you have the chance to get it.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening.